up, everything? Two weeks ago, the Blues were in the doldrums, contemplating what an April without disappointing playoff hockey might look like. Then, Alex Petrangela walked into the locker room and asked, Are you going to do something or just stand there and bleed? Since then, the Blues have won five of their last seven games and are pushing their way back into the playoff conversation. While the Blues have played some frighteningly close games against some supposedly lifeless opponents, a winning streak is a winning streak. So let the bodies hit the floor and let's go blues. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We are coming to you live from the Batcave, which has very poor cellular reception. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm dripping in finesse. And? It don't make no sense. (laughs) There you go. So, that was not rehearsed at all, folks. We just have that much natural chemistry. (laughs) So, speaking of things that aren't dripping in finesse, why don't we launch right into talking about the general manager meeting for the National (laughs) Hockey League. Way to kill it. Oh, boy. This is a mess, which rhymes with finesse, which is about as much association with that song as it could possibly have. Uh... The general managers met, have finished meeting now, Mm -hmm. right, for three days in Boca Raton, Florida, and have accomplished nothing! (laughs) Nothing! They uh, discussed various topics, like the offside rule, which they didn't feel needed changing. No, no, no. The goalie interference rule, which they didn't feel needed changing. And I'm sure they talked off the record about, you know, player contracts and stuff, which they didn't feel needed changing because what's the harm in another lockout, right? Yeah, I'll say that's what we're headed for. So what do you think about these general manager meetings, Ian? How did you feel about them? When I was at them. Um, <laughs> Reporting live from Boca Raton, Florida, it's Ian Peters. They're a good idea, <laughs> but they don't seem to do anything ever. They don't want to change rules because sometimes the rules benefit their team. Uh-huh. And Lord knows if they change them, maybe their team might get the shaft on these new rules. Even though sometimes it also harms their safety. Oh, team, yeah. Right? I don't think they think about that, though. <laughs> They're just looking at those dollar signs. Yeah, I i don't know when the last time it was that anything got majorly changed or decided at any of these meetings. I know they kind of decided that. For goalie interference, there'll be one guy in Toronto in the war room. That or the will, playoffs, right? Not yeah. just like immediately. No, I think it'll start in the playoffs. Because why fix it immediately, right? <laughs> it doesn't need fixing. Why it's fix not like a there's problem a playoff today race. that you could possibly forestall until tomorrow? So I guess that's an improvement. There'll be a guy that does goaltender interference, yeah, as, but he could be inconsistent. As, Who knows? As one article phrased it it's like if they stuck an older avenger in toronto to kind of watch thanos (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was wonderful that was on vice sports for those of you who want to find it it was a very hilarious article but yeah i just i this league is so content to just not fix stuff Mm. 
They love being fourth or and, fifth. And a general manager meeting at you know in March of the season isn't necessarily the best time to make sweeping changes. Mm-hmm. But you could, right? And like you could. I j- uh, but it's so sunny out, so why bother? Right. Got to work on David Poyle's tan, baby. <laughs> if they want to get stuff done, they should send those guys up to Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah. Uh, and you don't get to come home until you. this is solved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be a quick change for sure. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with it any longer. <laughs> I don't know. I just. Neither do they. Playoff, uh, goalie interference specifically is so broken. And when you look at the end of the season, it will have cost. It will have altered the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Just by nature of how many calls there have been um, that did or did not end up going the way of, you know, one team or the other in a one-goal game. If you lose that game and then you miss the playoffs by two points, mm-hmm. there's your answer, <laughs> you know? And I just... I don't see why they are fine with that continuing to be like, yeah, whatever, you know? Um, I don't know. The referee decided, one of the referees commented on something about, you know, well, in the hundred and however many, uh, this this is from the Vice Sports article, and I'm going to censor it as I go along <laughs> because it's a little crass, but... And the, the spin on this is wild, too. According to Campbell, who's the official I think they're putting in charge of the Toronto mm-hmm. stuff, uh, there have been 170 coaches' challenges for goaltender interference and, quote, nine at the most, possibly six, apparently only factors of three, three are allowed <laughs> in this discussion, of the scoring plays were debated internally by his department, which is intended to imply that this isn't a really big deal. Everyone seems to be taking the vague recollections of a 65-year-old man as some sort of mathematical certainty. As someone who watches his fair share of hockey and spends far too many hours online, there is no frigging way 161 of 170 goal tenor interference calls were met with unanimous agreement. <laughs> it's ludicrous. And then I'll read the whole next paragraph because it's worth it. Let's say you make 170 trips to Taco Bell, and on nine of those trips, your burrito filling is swapped out for gorilla crap. <laughs> so nine times out of 170, you bite into a warm, moist corn wrap filled with gorilla t- crap. Now you tell me if that's not a problem with the dressing. Imagine store manager Colin Campbell in his Taco Bell uniform telling you that you're probably embellishing your gorilla crap story, but hey, let's hire a retired Taco Bell manager he knows from the 1980s to watch current Taco Bell employees continue to put gorilla crap in your gordita, that'll solve it. Which is roughly how I feel about this whole process. I'll go ahead and tweet that link out at Two Guys No Cup, where you probably already follow us, but you can take a look at it yourself if you are so inclined. Uh, nothing happened, and we've already talked about uh, it for too long, so we will move on to another thing that I hate. I'm fired <laughs> up because all the games are good this yeah. week. So I'm fired up. I got to get all my anger out ahead of time, right? So let's talk about the playoff controversy, shall (laughs) we? Uh, There's been a little bit of discussion around the league lately that the playoff format 
that allows more than 50% of the NHL teams Mm -hmm. into the playoffs is very harsh and too restrictive and (laughs) needs to be expanded. Uh, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic, who is a a very good reporter of things, but maybe not as great a philosopher of hockey, uh, believes personally that this should be changed, and so went created an article that's basically a vendetta proving why the GMs agree with him. Uh, it's very strange. You can find it on The Athletic, but we'll go through some of the points of the article and just kind of discuss why I think it's stupid, because maybe it's just like a hockey, like, talking head sort of thing, but everybody's been talking about this, mm-hmm. you know, Puck Soup and Dangle and other podcasts are all discussing it, so I figured we should as well. Uh, The basic premise is that with the league expanding to 32 teams in the near future, uh, there's increased discussion about whether the playoffs should be expanded or altered. Um, One executive texted Pierre Lebrun and said, more playoff teams equals more fan bases with the pleasure of experiencing the playoffs, which equals more revenue for owners, players to share, which equals, it was nice of him, by the way, to include players just to make sure this wasn't about lining his own pockets, Uh, (laughs) which means more meaningful games for national rights holders, which equals more GM head coaches, and here's the ultimate rub in terms of why the GMs are all voting yes, uh, who can say that they made the playoffs and hopefully keep their jobs. Uh, Mm -hmm. which LeBron says means less turnover, but nobody cares about less turnover except the guys who are getting fired. (laughs) Um, And a different GM said, it's crazy that 15 teams miss now and will be 16 teams when when it expands to 32 uh, when expansion happens again. Which was the part where I just lost it. Because how is that crazy? A solid half of the teams in your league are going to your ridiculously long, agonizingly slow (laughs) playoff system. And you're saying, that's crazy. That's Mm -hmm. too few. Do you have thoughts so far before I just keep steamrolling along? Well, okay, you're a bigger baseball fan than I am. Baseball. Before they play the one game wild card playoff uh-huh. game, it's ten teams. It would have to be counting the counting the wild card. Yeah, game, yeah, it's yeah. 10 teams. Counting yeah, that, yeah. it's ten teams, and that's what and that's a, a third. third. Yeah, and people in baseball kind of don't even like that wild card game. Uh, football is thirty two teams, and they I think also have ten. I think they do twelve or 12, something maybe. like that. Yeah, there's two buys. Yeah, it's six aside, so yeah. it's twelve. So about a third. So the bigger, Again. better leagues. Are okay the with two that. bigger, yeah. And they've only recently, especially baseball, expanded right. into this. Hockey doesn't need to go more than half of the teams make the playoffs. I know they said they did the whole quote with, oh, well, you know, it, players or um, fans get to experience the playoffs. You know, more fans get to experience it. You're like, from a product perspective, for mm-hmm. me, you're like cheapening the product. Right. Anyone can be a playoff team now. When they say, oh, you can say your team made the playoffs, it doesn't mean as much anymore. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything if I'm if I'm Florida and I make the playoffs and just get eviscerated yeah. by the Pittsburgh Penguins or whoever. If you go under 500, under what we call 500, if you're, I've, if you're whatever, 30, 30, and like 10 for like OT losses or whatever it would be, 30, mm-hmm. 30, and... 22 or whatever you're and you make the playoffs like that i don't want that if you're under 500 by any sort of metric 
not making the playoffs. You should not be in the playoffs. Right. You've lost more games than you've won. Get out. Yeah. And if you expand it, you're going to have teams that are over 500 points-wise, but are going to be under 500 uh-huh. literal wins-wise. Which, which is a pet peeve of both of ours yeah. when, you when you know, Doc Emmerich or whoever, not to pick on Doc specifically, but we'll say, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes are over 500 at 28, 19, and 12 or whatever, yeah. you know. And, and you're like, no, you're not. Yeah. You <laughs> lost those 12 games. Yeah. You got a point. I get it. You got the loser point, but you lost yeah, the game. Exactly. exactly. Like, it's you so played to win the game. <laughs> yeah, I, we need more coaches going off on this. <laughs> you want the two it's points. It's crazy. It's a man. loser's I mean, point. So LeBron goes on. And he says, and this to me is part of where it goes off the rails. It already has, let's be honest. (laughs) But it just continues to, like, plummet off the tracks. (laughs) Um, He says, given the incredible parody that exists in the league now, which is this thing, this other, we were just talking about it before, you know, coming Mm -hmm. on on the air. But um, this concept that uh, there is a lot of parody. Mm-hmm. But this concept that, like, everyone's roughly the same. Like, they're, okay, on the one hand, Arizona could beat the Predators on any given night. Mm-hmm. But the idea that the Predators and the Coyotes are roughly equal mm-hmm. is insane. Like, that's actually <laughs> insane to say that. It's like an internal-external look. From the outside, the NHL is a lot of teams that are very good and the talent is relatively spread evenly like every team's got like a big star more Uh or less but internally when you rule out the ahl and all the junior leagues and the khl and you just look at the nhl there are teams that are really good and there are teams that despite parity are really bad yeah the arizona coyotes are really bad i don't care that you have oliver ackman larson are really yeah (laughs) exactly that's perfect you have mcdavid a great player your team still bad i don't care that you have like phenomenal talent or potential talent even with some mm-hmm. of the players around him you still stink and I'm for some reason people can't admit that they don't want it they're like oh no any every team is pretty good in the nhl I'm like someone has to be bad mm-hmm. I, gr- I agree and i think we're, we're gonna actually gonna talk about that in a bit so i will you know i will save yourself save that because we're gonna talk about the uh heart trophy conversation too but um where did I leave this? He says, given the incredible parody that exists in the league, isn't is it not time to look at the ninth or tenth team in each conference as a potential playoff <laughs> club? Are not are number nine in Florida in the East or number nine Anaheim, number ten Calgary, and number eleven St. Louis in the West not playoff worthy teams? First off, no. <laughs> and uh, this is written a few a few days ago, so obviously those standings have changed a little bit. The Blues, as we will talk about are not number 11 right now, you know, and have improved their standing. But if the Blues don't make the play, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it, the home front, mm-hmm. you know, because it, I can criticize and praise them with equal, you know, fairness, I think. But, like, if the Blues don't make the playoffs this year, they did not deserve to go mm-hmm. to the playoffs. They roared off to this incredible whatever, you know, 20 something 27 and like nine or whatever start the Mm -hmm. you know october and november that's not quite true but i've had them 17 and something and nine anyway uh (laughs) 
the great start, yeah. right? That's what I'm trying to say. And then for like two plus months, they just sucked. And now they're kind of not sucking as much. Mm-hmm. Now they're, I mean, you know, last five games, they're really good. But like overall, it's been a huge, like you start at the top of the mountain and then you just slide all the way <laughs> down the mountain. If they don't get back all the way up the mountain to a playoff position, I that I don't need pity, you know. Mm-hmm. Like plus, if we go to the playoffs, we're getting slaughtered by Nashville. Mm-hmm. Let's not get ourselves. So I don't. I don't know. Do you agree with that or disagree? Or it's. I think it's just some. Someone's got to. Someone's got to miss for the playoffs to matter. Yeah. Or for the to be a distinction. Right, and that's the concept of like a regular season matters yeah. which is what's lost in all this it's like well yeah but the i mean the blues have a lot of talent and and they're they're a really good team and they played a lot of tough close mm-hmm. games so they deserve to be in the playoffs and it's like but they didn't win the tough close games mm-hmm. they lost more of those than they won and so they didn't cross the th- established threshold which they knew from the beginning of what would be a playoff team they knew from day 1 mm-hmm. That their objective was to win games and not lose games and try and finish in the top eight points. And nobody sprung that on them. And so they the fact that they missed by two points or even missed because, you know, they tie with Los Angeles and they have the same uh, shootout or regulation overtime wins and Los Angeles beat us two times this season to our one mm-hmm. and so we lose and we miss out on the playoffs like none of those thresholds are unfair because they're the consequences of how you played during the season mm-hmm. i just lost a fantasy hockey semifinal <laughs> because i tied the guy that i was playing against and even though i finished higher in the standings the tiebreaker was head-to-head record and while I I have expressed butthurt about that <laughs> because I didn't want to lose in the semifinals, there's total justice in that. You know, mm-hmm. there's no no part of me can be like, but this isn't fair. You know, <laughs> like I knew or chose not to know whatever the tiebreaker was, and I could have just managed the game better and won one more category and won the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just baffling to me that whole line of thought. The other comedic thing about it is he he says number nine in the East, and number 9, 10, and 11 in the West, because very pointedly, number 10, uh, Carolina, and number 11, the let's write a letter to our fans about how bad we suck and trade away our captain New York Rangers in the East, certainly do not deserve (laughs) to go to the playoffs, because in the East, unlike in the West, there's a six-point drop between the 9 and 10 team, and then a three more point drop between 10 and 11. So those teams don't deserve to get in, which is the other problem here is you're creating a rule assuming that this parity is going to be roughly the same mm-hmm. when some years you're going to end up wetting a 70-point team into the playoffs just because that happened to be where the gap between yeah. mediocre and really bad fell. You know, like... uh Let's continue mm-hmm. so that this doesn't drag on for hours. LeBrun asked 
30 GMs, the only 30 GMs there are right now, because Ron Francis got booted on up the road. Although I don't know why he couldn't have asked Ron Francis since he's team president and probably acting GM (laughs) technically. No, he still didn't ask him. Uh, (laughs) Just as like a a dagger in his side. He's doing uh, Dundon's business (laughs) bidding. Um, He asked, are you in favor of expanding the playoff format to include a play-in round on each side involving, let's say, 7, 8, 9, and 10? So a round-robin sort of where 7 plays 10 and 8 plays 9, it's two, three-game series, and then those winners go on to take the 7 and 8 spot. Oh, dear God, that's way too much. Right. Uh, Best of three, he writes, writing a a column on it and trying to gauge interest. He says, of the 29 responses, so one person hadn't responded by the publishing of this article. I'm thinking Garth Snow, just instinctively. He seems like the guy who would sit on his hands or not know how to operate a cell phone. So, uh, 20 yeses, 6 noes. Uh, and he got two mixed reviews and one person abstained. Those which six also yeah. could be Garth Snow. Those or, six no's have to be like GMs of teams that are just hand over fist like money nonstop. Yeah, well, he explained that two of them were currently out of the playoffs. Oh, really? But that could still be, you know, Edmonton. It could and still Calgary be the Rangers. Or, yeah, yeah, Rangers, right, exactly. So, um,. So a couple of the GM's responses. One says, yes, it's worth discussing. With 31 teams now, plus parity, there needs to be the consideration of expanding it. Injuries, etc., can derail a team for a few weeks, which now can eliminate a team, whereas mm-hmm. with a play-in, you still have an opportunity. Not much different in teams from 1 to 10 in each conference, as we see now, which I'm really curious if any of these are dug. That's, uh, that could be a dug for sure. That could be an <laughs> Army quote, 100%. Um but in any case, uh, that's him. Another GM says uh, one GM even added the wrinkle that perhaps, and this is the only this is the only reasonable thing that's said in this whole piece. <laughs> perhaps there should be a point range that team number nine or ten must comply with to warrant the play-in. So if that tenth place team is ten points behind number seven, forget about it. No play-in. You have to earn it. Which that I'm okay with. And LeBrun in his piece because he's a douche in this case, <laughs> uh, just kind of like. I guess that's fair or whatever. Like a very like dismissive comment about this. He's going to be like the one that's talking about fair. Idea, right. Okay. Uh, somebody says there's a benefit to finishing sixth rather than seventh to avoid the play. And likewise interest from the 11th place team to keep fighting, etc. Um, motivation is the season nears an end because they can't reach eighth place. And then this is the stupidest GM comment. Cause it's just clearly wrong. It's just absolutely clearly wrong. Let, he says, "Let's pick. Let's pick. Who is it? Uh, you say it, and we'll pick." He who says, it, is. "It would be great to have more teams involved." Agreed. Another GM. More buyers at the trade deadline. More trades. Mm. Which isn't. Let's let's say this factual. That's not true. That is false because there's more buyers, but there's dramatically fewer sellers mm-hmm. because the Rangers in this demented, bizarro <laughs> world that Pierre Lebrun is creating are currently a playoff team. Mm-hmm. The Rangers, who were one of two teams that sold a lot this year, 
aren't sellers in this mindset, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they probably are in this specific case because they had the integrity to look at their franchise as a whole and be like, even if we make the playoffs, we're just not where we need to be. Let's yeah. sell. But like, you get my point of yeah. like, this happened in baseball, right? Trade deadline deals are dramatically down since the inclusion of the wild card because I, you know, I watch baseball pretty faithfully with the Cardinals and I just know that the temperature of the trade deadline has traded has changed significantly since even you include eight teams to ten teams. Because mm-hmm. the problem the difference there is you are only letting two more teams into the playoffs, mm-hmm. but you are making eight more teams feel like or ten close. more teams feel like they could be a playoff mm-hmm. team, right? So yeah. that's just false. Who do you think said it? Uh, th- someone that someone that likes trades. Yeah, I, that could that could be a someone who likes trades but doesn't get how they work, which to me says David Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, Peter Shirelli. You think that could be it? He too, goes, yeah. I need more trades because I need to bolster this <laughs> crappy old defense <laughs> in Edmonton. Or but you I know, got Adam Larson. Yeah, exactly. he goes. I this need someone to compliment Adam Larson. Of someone that's made a terrible trade for one side or the other. Maybe it's a George McPhee where he's like, I gave up Martin Erat at the deadline and I need to redeem myself. <laughs> Mark Bergman, I could see that. <sighs> oh, more right. trades. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to talk over you. You're absolutely right about Bergevin. Uh the the nice thing here is Gary Bettman, I don't wanna ever mm. I don't wanna ever agree with Gary Bettman. Uh oh. But Gary Bettman emailed Pierre Lebrun. And says, pretty bluntly, not something we're considering. Makes no sense. Dilutes dilutes and extends the length of the season. I can't do a Gary Bettman voice. It's an old New York Jewish man. You understand? (laughs) Oi, Gavels! You're diluting the season! (laughs) I'm so sorry. To all our sweet Jewish (laughs) listeners, we love you. We care for you. And you're not, you're not a parody of yourselves. Mm -hmm. Reduces, if not eliminates, exciting regular season races, which is true. Like, he gets it. Which, if you're in a world where nobody gets it but Gary (laughs) Bettman, that is a frightening place to be. That does feel weird to see that he's saying these things. Yeah. (laughs) He says it potentially punishes the seventh and eighth place finishers, which it doesn't potentially punish them. It does punish them. And finally, what we have been... What we have has been terrific. Why fix it if it's not broken? All of that I agree with. Uh, to wrap up this with the nose, uh, one other one GM said the season is long enough. A playing game might push it to July, which again LeBrun said he's wrong. But you get his point, which is just like you're such a tool, and the, like I don't. I don't know that Pierre Lebrun is a tool on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis, but he really came across as like, I am pushing this agenda, and anyone that gets in the way is my enemy. You, they um, went to mid-June last year. Yeah. You just have a couple more seven-game well, series and add, and like add well, teams well, the around thing Robin? Is, the thing is, they said that it's a... One of the GMs, I don't think I wrote this as a note, but one of the GMs was like, that's not true because you could just have it be a back-to-back. It could be a three games in four days. You have a back-to-back, a day off, and then game three if necessary, and then the playoffs, the like the playoff playoffs yeah. start the next day. And Christ. Like, There's not a world in which that happens. Plus, if we do that now, that means um, 
St. Louis is going to Calgary, I guess. Back to back a day back off. Back to back, and then... home and away in St. Louis and <laughs> Calgary. Uh, no, thank you. Do these people not operate with the idea that there's like a players association? Right. Well, he does get to ask them real quick. Uh, one GM said he would only support expanding if the format was changed back to the one through eight system, which is another That's fine. thing. I, I disagree with that. Personally, but I'm at least like fine. That's at least just returning to the normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like this idea because it's the same logic where it's like, well, you know, that means Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are going to play each other in the first round this year, and mm-hmm. that means we lose one of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in the first round. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't like that's not a problem to me. Like, it also means flip side that one of the intensest rivalries in sports is broadcast on national TV for the first round, guaranteed mm-hmm. a lot of years. You know, like that you know, that's the that's the upside of seeing the Blackhawks play the Blues in the first round every year. Mm-hmm. Granted, the Blues didn't get past the Blackhawks a lot, but it was still like you got to fight your number one enemy for like the right to get into the second round. Uh but finally he did one GM added eighty two games represents a very large sample size, which I like. Um, uh, he did ask an NHLPA spokesman, the Players Association, about expanding the playoff field, and the po- associate said it wasn't something that was being discussed. And he said, I did text with one high-profile fo- player, high-profile Ian. Mm. He talked to Lee Stimpiak <laughs> Tuesday and asked him the same question I asked the GM, and he said he had zero interest in the concept. But how 750 players feel about it, who knows? That would take more work, and I'm Pierre Lebrun, and I am not about work. Uh, <laughs> this, I, this, is, this is another problem with hockey, and, and I love hockey. We obviously love hockey. We're doing a podcast about We're it. We're lukewarm like, at best. It's this weird world where, like, and I don't even think this is true with Adam Schefter, and part of it's Adam Schefter's personality, or, like, uh, Adrian Wojnowski, the ESPN basketball guy, who's like the Adam Schefter of basketball. Like, if Adam Schefter says something about football, a lot of people discuss it, but it's not necessarily Adam Schefter suggested this, so now it must be valid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that Pierre Lebrun. And again, he didn't come up with the concept of let's let more playoff teams into the playoff. But like the idea that he can decide this is his hill to die on, mm-hmm. right? And then write an article because he can text. And by the way, the hilarious just side note, it was very clear from the course of how this article unfolded because he was talking about uh, one GM responding to other GMs and this, that, and the other. And it was very clear that Pierre Lebrun set up a 31-person <laughs> group text message with the other 30 GMs, which how is that allowed? Like, how is that possible? I mean, I, I know that they're not, like, enemies. I get it. They did just do the GM meetings. But, like, can you imagine this a 30-person GM text message chain of just, like, uh, David Poyle is like, I think it's a great idea. And, like, you know, <laughs> Jim Botterill is like, this sucks. Go 
die. And, you know. <laughs> I bet you Joe Sackick is the one that only posts gifts. Yeah, Joe Sackick, who I, <laughs> who I learned today, uh, I hope that's true, is the last player who was not a goaltender to win the Hart Trophy without winning either the Art Ross or the Rocket Richard Trophy in the same season. So there you go. Um, <laughs> 2000, 2001. So, Bang. do you have anything more to say about the playoff debacle? I just... I. It's fine. You, how can you look at allowing 16 of 32 teams into the playoffs and say, that's not enough, we need more? That's mm-hmm. my parting shot. What is your parting <laughs> shot? I, I just don't think it needs to be changed. You can change it when this league gets to, and I'm sure it never will, like 40 teams. Go ahead and expand it to 18 or something, get in. That's fine. But like for the time being, for the next expansion or two expansions or three expansions, just leave it as is. Yeah. I don't mind if they switch to the one through eight, but just leave the number alone. Sixteen in, however many else, however many we get to out. Easy enough. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um let's maybe try and shorten this discussion because <laughs> I didn't quite expect to go quite that long. He's angry. Uh Heart Trophy is more interesting this year. Than in any year I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Hart Trophy, if you as a listener don't know, is the the MVP trophy. Basically, I think the specific word or are the specific wording is it's awarded to the player who is most valuable to his team. Um, and uh, so there are ten plus uh, possible candidates who maybe fit into this, and that's a pretty interesting. Because, as I learned from this article by Casey Sazikas, is that a, that's a hockey player. That's a hockey player, um, so we're in the right subject. Right ballpark, wrong answer. I'll find his name. But uh, the, the new beat reporter for the uh, Devils at the Athletic, um, Casey Masizic. You can hey, see. That's how. pretty close. <laughs> you know what? I'll give it to you. That's pretty close. Um he he wrote an article basically discussing Taylor Hall's uh, chances, but he pointed out in the article that, fr- and this blew my mind, that from, um, let's see, the specific numbers, from 1965 to 1993, 11 players won a Hart Trophy, and only two people in that f- almost four-decade time period ever won only one. And that was Brian Trottier and Brett Hall, actually, who won just once. Mm -hmm. However, in the 23 years since 1993, which, is that accurate? That's not accurate. uh, Close enough. 23, I guess, of trophies. Yeah, okay. Um, In the 23 years since, because there was a season in there that didn't happen, right? There you go. We we all won the Hart Trophy that year. Uh, 19 different players have won, and only Dominic Hasek, Sidney Crosby, and Alex Ovechkin, uh, who won three, are the only players to have won multiple in that mm. period. Part of the fact from 65 to 93 is that in a 10-year period, Gretzky won nine, <laughs> including eight in a row, so that helps. <laughs> um, so who are the front runners this year? So front runners. The name that you have to discuss because of who he is is Connor McDavid. Uh, he has 34 points or 34 goals. I was like, yikes. <laughs> 34 goals, uh, 56 assists, 
uh, and 90 points overall, which makes him fourth in the league. I looked at something uh, which I think is a good measure of like these people's value, mm-hmm. which was par- part of Casey's article was saying all these different things we look at as like what you have to do to be a heart winner are kind of outdated. And he the problem was he didn't really provide alternate answers to what you should look for, so it wasn't helpful in that respect. But like the idea that it has to be a playoff winner, which I basically agree with, but he made the point that like if Taylor Hall if the Devils miss the playoffs by a point or two, mm-hmm. are you really gonna say Taylor Hall wasn't a playoff caliber performer? So anyway, McDavid has ninety points. The other thing I looked at, which is why I started all that, was like I called it team point differential, which is like how many points does he have more than the next closest guy? Yeah. And he actually has twenty four more points than even Drysidel, but he's been hurt some this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um which is significant, but of course that team is currently tied for third worst in the, the West, and I think kind of in a darkly ironic sort of way you can say that Connor McDavid is actually hurting them <laughs> by taking them further out of the draft lottery than they might be without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, obviously <laughs> long-term, very valuable player for the franchise, but probably not a real contender this year. There's Nikita Kucherov, who was the runaway favorite in the first half of the season, but has kind of faded down the stretch. Um, he's got 37 goals and 57 assists for 94 points, which still has him at first. Uh, but the problem with him Mm. is that he's also got Steven Stamkos on his team and he actually has only nine more points than Stamkos. And on top of that, he has Andre Vasilevsky, who is probably a Vesna contender, if not the winner. And so... You know, and and that's something else that Ms. I can't pronounce the name. Casey Sizikas. <laughs> uh, Masizik um, said is like maybe we shouldn't say they're bad. They're not qualified because they play with other good players, which is true. But like, if you're talking about how valuable somebody is, the the Lightning, even as good as Kucherov is, mm-hmm. it's not a best player trophy, and the Lightning ain't missing the playoffs without Nikita Kucherov. You know. So yeah, I would toss him out of the discussion he's in the discussion he's not like a finalist i would vote for him yeah Uh, exactly where it gets interesting are the next three names to me uh taylor hall being maybe the one i would vote for if i had it's it's switching over to mckinnon who's next but Mm. my heart wants to vote for taylor hall uh, he has 32 goals and 46 assists for 78 points which actually only puts him at 15th but he has a point differential with his team of 32 points. Damn. More than Nico Heischer, who was the first overall pick. And then 10 more points ahead of Kyle Palmieri, who's next. So you look at that team, and they're just nothing without Taylor Hall <laughs> this year, you know? Um, and now they're fighting for a playoff spot. And again, they could miss. Mm-hmm. But even if they're out by two points, you're talking about they're a, a top lottery team without Hall, and they missed the playoffs by two points with him. That, to me, puts him in the discussion. Nathan McKinnon has 38 goals and 53 point, or th- fifty-three assists for 91 points, which makes him third. And he has 12 more points with Rantanen, but considering that he's the center on Rantanen's line, I'm willing to give a little mm-hmm. leeway there because he also has 35 more than Landis Cog, who's next on the list. So... Um, the other impressive thing is that he has 18 points in his last nine games. 
I think maybe he's played one or two more since that stat was true. But, like, two points a game for two or three weeks is pretty incredible. Um, and then Andre Kopitar of the Kings has 29 goals and 53 assists for 82 points and has, has 28 points more than whoever was next, which maybe it wasn't Carter. No, I he's guess. been hurt too long. I forget who it was. But, um, I don't know. Whoever it was, it was 28 points more than uh, that person, which Dustin Brown maybe, which maybe. is gross. But anyway, yeah. so those I look I look at those three as like the guys who I'd you agree. can pretty clearly say without this player, they're not in the hunt mm-hmm. right now. Uh, more kind of back of back <laughs> of the discussion is Tyler Sagan. Um, I saw a, a graphic today that said he's like got almost twenty percent of his team's goals with thirty nine, and he's a league leader in like goal percentage for the team along with Ovechkin and uh, some other people. But he has just seventy overall points, and so he's twenty second in the league. And then they have the core group of Ben, who he has only two more points than Radulov. He has five, and then Klingberg he has nine. But ev- all those four have thirty seven more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not team. just him, right? And then, uh, but the other thing in his favor is that he's been at about a point per game pace since January first. So he's just been on on fire the second half of the year, which tends to like open people's eyes in these discussions. It's better to come on strong weight than to fade yeah. away, you know, which is Kucherov's thing. Klojeru has 87 points. He's fifth in the league, but he has eight more points than Voracek. Masikas mentioned him uh, as a contender. I don't really see nah. it, and I love the Flyers. But uh, Bobrovsky, I see the argument for. I just He's 10th. In save percentage and ninth in goals against average amongst players who had 30 yeah. games played, which just doesn't blow me away. I really see like he's a phenomenal goalie. He's won two Vesnas. That team probably isn't a contender without him in any way. And in this conversation, I'm saying playoff contender because don't hear me say that the Blue Jackets <laughs> are a cup contender. But uh, And then Alex Ovechkin, 81 points, obviously 44 goals. Um he has 10 more points than, I guess, Backstrom, uh, but he has 23 more goals than anybody, which is pretty significant and obviously has won three Richards in the past. Uh, Patrick Wine is another contender. I don't have his stats in front of me. And then the name that popped out at me, too, was Evgeny Malkin, who's always under the radar, mm-hmm. has 91 points this year. He's Holy second cow. in the league. He has 12 more than even Crosby. But I think the mark knock against him will be that like he plays with Crosby, mm-hmm. so you can't be the most valuable player on a team with Sidney Crosby <laughs> if you're not, you know. Yeah. So I do any names jump out at you? It, I think I think the reason I bring all this up is just to say that it's a really interesting conversation. I'm a passionate believer that like Connor McDavid can't be part of the discussion because obviously, like in terms of jersey sales and like all that mm-hmm. stuff, he's phenomenally valuable and like in terms of just the the profile of that franchise and people paying to come and see Connor McDavid, I get all that. Like, I get that argument. But they're bottom fourth of the league, yeah. and you just can't be, like, the MVP. He'll well, get more. Yeah. I'm pretty confident he'll get more. Well, the problem with the Connor McDavid argument is that by nature of him just existing and being, like, an amazing player... Then if that's your if that's what you're doing to measure heart right. trophy contention, he's just going to win every right. year until he retires. If it's best player, 
Yeah. You just give it to him every year, <laughs> yeah. which is convenient. It's easier, but <laughs> yeah. not very fun. I The name for me has been uh, Nathan McKinnon. Like, that's yeah. the one that pops to the top of my head. Yeah. I would be willing to give it to Taylor Hall, especially... I, I know you said making the playoffs shouldn't really matter, mm-hmm. and I know it's just whoever votes, but to me... It doesn't matter, but if they don't make it, then it kind of becomes, oh, it's McKinnon. If they do make it, if the Devils do make it, then it's like, ooh, Taylor yeah. Hall or Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I would definitely vote for McKinnon but now, and especially if they're on this streak. Is Hart Trophy supposed to be most valuable player? It's most valuable player for like the regular season, right? Yeah, I believe so. I'll because there's a whole there's the whole Conn Smythe, right, which is yeah. for playoffs. So really... If if that's what it is, then I think it's already Nathan McKinnon's yeah. award because yeah. then it doesn't matter what if Taylor Hall and the Devils make or don't make the playoffs. Uh-huh. Um, like you said, it's kind of a recency player judged most valuable to his team. So okay, yeah. it's it's kind of a recency bias, like you're mentioning with Kucherov. It's like McKinnon's been good all year, but he's been phenomenal in the second half, and I think that's just what people are going to remember. And that's that's not a bad thing because uh-huh. he's just been so good all year. Sergei Fedorov is the first European trained player to win the Hart Trophy. And like we mentioned, though. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stephen, thank you. Uh, um, no, you're right. Like we mentioned, uh, Matt Duchesne, you just trade Matt Duchesne away and Nathan McKinnon comes alive. Right. I mean, the way he's just single handedly putting the team on his mm. back. I don't agree with the argument that second half games matter more. They should. But they matter as much. Yeah. You know, and if you, if, if you single-handedly bring your team from probably non-consideration a month mm-hmm. ago to like pretty solidly in a playoff spot right now, if that continues and you get into the playoffs, I, yeah. I don't think there's. A, I think there are more interesting names than there usually are, but I think if that if this streak continues at all, it's just got to be McKinnon. Mm-hmm. So with all of that finally said. Um, Two quick pieces of Blues news. Alex Petrangelo was named NHL's first star of the week because he had nine points, and speaking of putting the team on your back, he sure did that <laughs> uh, the last week and continues to do it somewhat. Uh, and then uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who has been out for about a week with yeah. concussion-ish and upper uh, body injury. Did they say it was concussion? Because we can't admit that concussions happen in hockey. No, they never... I mean, people have said it's concussion-like symptoms, Mm -hmm. but I don't think the team ever said it. But in any case, uh, he skated in practice today and is hopefully, as the team phrased it in their press release, will be back on Friday against the Canucks. So that's good. Um, Why don't we finally talk about games, like the New York Rangers game that the Blues won 4-3 at home, wearing their white sweaters, which was a big deal for some reason that I don't mm. understand, but I think that is like a generational ignorance sort of thing, because I think it means a lot for older hockey fans to see them playing at home in the white, which mm-hmm. I guess used to be the norm. Did your dad comment on that at all, yeah, just out of curiosity? Yeah, they used to play in white, but I think even further than that, a yeah. long time ago, they played in their in their colored jerseys at yeah. home. Um, I've always liked, probably because I was grew up with it, but teams in the colors at home. Yeah. Because, and I, the reasoning the NHL has always used is that for playoffs, it makes crowds more interesting. They're now wearing all red in Calgary or all blue right, right. in St. Louis because if you wear white at home, everyone goes, let's do a whiteout. Yeah, exactly. And I get it. You want to see the other team. And it's a white arena, too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you want to see what the other team is wearing. 
but also like it's not a fashion show, so I don't give yeah, a crap. I, th- <laughs> I don't know. That's well, just me. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I I the love whites look great. I mean, I do right. like them. Yeah, no, I do too. I think, I think they're kind of tight about it in general, but just about uniform stuff. And I think all leagues, as we continue forward, are going to be less and less strict about that because, for one thing you just print money by releasing a third jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I, the NBA goes too far with it. But I kind of like their idea of, hey, let's just have 20 different jerseys during the season. Mm-hmm. Let's have a Christmas jersey and a, a Spanish Heritage Month jersey and like a throwback, you know, four yeah. throwback jerseys and like seven alternate colors of our, our regular jersey. And like, that's too far, right? You know? Yeah. But I... I'm all for a third jersey that you see a lot. I would be totally for, hey, let's have them wear white at home occasionally. Yeah, just for fun. And even consider like a fourth jersey or a a fifth, you know, like a throwback jersey that you wear once or twice a season. Bring some of that red back. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gross. Like that sort of thing, though, you know, but... Anyway, it's not a big deal. We need me. the one with Cool Cat on it. There's yeah. some jersey with like a weird <laughs> cheetah character from the 90s uh-huh. playing a trumpet. It looks terrible. It looks just awful, but I'd love it if they wore them. It's super 90s. Yeah. Cool Cat. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of Cool Cats, Alex Petrangelo <laughs> opened the scoring good. Very good. for the St. Louis Blues with his 15th, 13th goal of the season. Not his 15th, 13th goal, which would be like a gajillion goals. I don't but, think he's played 15 seasons. <laughs> but um, his 13th goal of the season, assisted by Vladimir Savoka, who's kind of alive now or whatever, I guess. He woke up from his long, long slumber. Um, (laughs) This was just a situation where there were a lot of good chances and good pressure by the Blues for about 40 seconds of zone time. And finally, Petrangelo grabbed it and cycled to his left. He dumped it off to Saboka as Saboka reached the point. Um, And Saboka held it and skated and fired it into a, a group of bodies. And the goaltender, Georgiev, who has a great name, uh, <laughs> couldn't handle it. The puck bounced off Thompson, uh, I think. Uh, but um, it, it was loose, and Petrangelo found it and knocked it in. Uh, he'd been moving his feet the entire time, which was really good. And then we had a pair of very odd in the second period. That and, Petrangelo goal, though, sorry, by the yeah. way, is his 12th even strength goal of the season, and it sets a new season high for the Blues yeah. defenseman. Which is kind of embarrassing. Weirdly, I, it is a weird. It is a weird like twelve even strength goals is a lot for a defenseman. You would think but like, huh? like with all you hear about McKinnis and his shot, you would think he would have passed that. Like but. we talked about last time, Petrangelo's a better offensive defenseman than you would think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so yeah, that's an awesome stat. Uh, two kind of weird goals in the second period. Mika, it is Mika, right? Not Micah. Mika Zabanajad. Uh, Scored his 23rd of the season, uh, assisted by Jesper Faust and Chris Kreider. Uh, it was positively one of the strangest goals you'll ever see. Uh, Zabanajad skated in and dumped it off to Kreider, uh, who pa- passed it across to Faust, I guess. And Faust took a shot, and as Zabanajad was crashing the net and like kind of falling, like losing his balance and falling towards the net, it deflected off of him. 
mm-hmm. into the net, which is the, a lot of strange goals this week. I think that's kind of the theme. Strange goals. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, ended up winning, so I'll maybe that's it. what we need. Puck luck, right? Um, mm-hmm. Thanks, Lindy. So it bounced into the net. It was a totally weird goal. There's nothing like, ooh, this is Alan's fault. You know, it's just one of those things <laughs> that it's like, okay. Uh, but then the weird thing, well, okay, first we had the debut of a goal-scoring Nikita Soshnikov. Uh, the first goal by Nikita Soshnikov, a.k.a. Nick Flair, Ooh. in a Blues <laughs> nice uniform, uh, assisted by Chris Thorburn and Carl Gunnarsson with their combined 10 assists. <laughs> um it was just a really nice snipe by Sashnikov. There's a comment somewhere, I'm sure it's in the notes below this, um, about uh, something along the lines of Sashnikov saying, yeah, I've really enjoyed playing with, uh, Su- is it Sunquist and Thorburn or Jas- yeah, Yaskin I, and Thorburn? And I'm yeah. like, you don't have to yeah, say that, Nikita. That's like, very kind of you. <laughs> he's a, you're, you're a good soul. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> I love your car. No, it's a Toyota Camry. You don't got to say that. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, uh, Sashnikov just basically got it and ripped it uh, after he, you know, skated in with Rangers between uh, him and the net. Uh, he said, I th- oh, here's the quote. I thought we were buzzing for a couple games. I really enjoyed playing with Barbashev and Thorburn. Uh, and he said, uh, Mike Yo said, it's maybe his best game. He played for us a lot of energy Another time where he uses his speed, draws wide on a defenseman to draw a power play for us. Uh, that's what speed in your lineup can do for you. I think he had good en- energy in talking to him this morning. I think he's getting more comfortable and more engaged with our group and the success of our group. And with that, the level of his play is coming up. Um, then that was a really cool moment. But then Zuccarello scored a very strange goal. <laughs> Uh, which was his 15th of the season, assisted by Neil the Decapitator Pionk, who's the one that yeah, hit... Yeah, he, he uh, slammed into right, Tarasenko. Tarasenko. Although it wasn't really a slam. Uh, yeah. It looked like a weird it hit, was but an, it wasn't it bad. It was an elbow, but it was like not like... didn't look like I'm going to kill you. Exactly. Um, Kevin Hayes was got the sixth, got hit the other assist. Uh it was hard to even describe. Basically, Rangers were crashing the net, and the puck got tangled in a mass of them, and Zuccarello, Zuccarello finally found it and somehow got it in. Um, Alan, again, not really to blame for yeah. this one. Pionk, uh, another good Pokemon name. Yeah, you're right. A great It'd probably Pokemon be name. like a normal Pokemon. Absolutely. You'd use Sand Attack. <laughs> um, Zabanajad then added a power play goal, his 24th, as we already said. Kreider and Buchnevich assisted. Uh, it was just a really great pass from <laughs> Kreider. Uh, Kreider got it behind the net, and before Bortuzzo could close in on him, he 180s and backhanded across Allen and Z- uh, Zabanajad. I'm just going to get those two names mixed up the whole time, apparently. <laughs> Uh, hit a basically empty net. So at this point, I'm feeling the momentum of the game is maybe against us. Wah, wah. And it's after the sh- uh, black or the Colorado loss, so uh, I'm not feeling great. But Alex Petrangelo is feeling great, and he scored his 14th goal of the season on the power play with uh, five minutes elapsed in the first or third period. Um, again, lots of great movement on the puck on the power play, which I don't 
feel like I should have to say every time, but I do feel like I do have to say every time. Um, Dunn and Petrangelo were near the blue line. There was a ton of space for him, and Dunn passed it over to Petrangelo, and just Petrangelo just fired off a huge heavy shot, and it got in kind of strong side on the goaltender who was just not really up against his post and was screened and all that. Uh, that was our chance to win the game or tie the game. That's all we were focused on. It's not about what we'd done before, what's coming in a couple days. It was right in that present time, and I think five guys knew that this was a chance for us and stepped up, said Alex Steen. Uh, Alex Petrangelo said, you can't score if you don't shoot, which, yeah. And then great, great, <laughs> um, great. Mike Yo said, not just a power play goal, uh, but a really important power play goal to tie the game and change the momentum. It does so much for the group. So they played the rest of that period uneventfully and went to overtime, which is going to become a theme. Uh, I'm sure that the band closing time could be sung to overtime, but I'm not going to do that. We'll uh, think about or it. Or the band. I said the band. The song closing time could be sung. Anyway, uh, Brodziak, Saboka, and Pareko started off the OT, which was got a lot of sideways glances for understandable reasons. But Mike Yo, I think to his credit, just was honest about the fact that Shen and Schwartz, who were the only healthy stars at that point, because Tarasenko was out for the game, um, were just gassed and couldn't go out immediately. Um, and it worked out, right? Because... Uh, Jake Allen made a brilliant lunging blocker save on Kreider, which is the side he's gotten beat on a lot lately. Um, immediately before, uh, Braden Shin scored an amazing goal where he streaked down the ice and, and uh, 180 out of their 360 out of the grasp of uh, Gilmore as he was pinching, against, pinching him against the board uh, and then just kind of skated across the face of the net and scored. Um, he beat Georgiev and won the game, and it was awesome and unexpected. Uh, Shin said, I was kind of skating stride for stride with Gilmore and felt like I wasn't going to beat him. I just tried to turn up, pull to the middle, and I was able to beat him off the wall. And Mike says, that's a pretty dynamic goal. That's the purpose and the beauty of three-on-three hockey. It opens itself up for skilled players to make skilled plays, and that's what he did there. Uh, so, overall, a great win. Mm-hmm. You maybe want a cleaner win against a 70-point team like the Rangers, but you'll take what you can get. And the nice thing about the Rangers is that the point you surrender by going to overtime to them doesn't harm you in any way. Um, Blues heavily outshot. The Rangers won the face-off battle, uh, were one for three on the power play, got more hits and blocks slightly, uh, and there were four giveaways apiece. The Blues had a Corsi four percentage of 70% in the first period, uh, 42% in the second period and 59% in the third, roughly, uh, which felt about like the flow of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And then they they don't record Corsi stats for overtime because it's three on three and that'd be nonsense. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I just think, I mean, other than the Tarasenko injury, which, you know, in hindsight, now we know it w- isn't that big a deal. Uh, this was kind of a... An, just a good win, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's significant because of where it was for the team and like where we are in the season, but like it just worked and we came from behind, which we don't do at all, but have done a lot this week. And it was just good. Uh, Petrangelo, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, would you like another uh, Petrangelo surprising stat? 
Uh, Petrangelo on that assist for Shen's goal in OT. Petrangelo recorded his 37th even strength point of the season, and that passes Jeff Brown for the most even strength points in a season for a St. Louis Blues defenseman. Also kind of weird and crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought he had a, an amazing game against the Rangers. I thought he like took charge, especially in the third. He looked like a man possessed. Mm-hmm. Ascended to Super Saiyan 3. <laughs> Got his, uh, let's see what it was. His stat line was two goals, one assist, four shots on goal, 25 minutes of ice time. I mean, have we kind of harped on him an episode or two ago, I think when Ben sat on him mm-hmm. for not really having the guts of a captain or something. But having said that, he's an amazing 5-on-5 five five player. He's amazing in his own zone. Yeah. Watch him just come out of any corner battle in our own zone with the mm-hmm. puck and just pass it right up ice. You might not have necessarily the flashy offensive vision, mm-hmm. but he still manages to get points five on five. And yeah. I think he's a pretty good defender too. Whenever you see him get beat or something like that, I'd argue it's more the fact that he's going to be out there for half the game. If there's going to be goals scored in the Blues, he's going to be out there. <laughs> he's yeah. just going to be out there. So... I, I want to defend him a little bit more because I see people harping on Petrangelo a lot because, oh, it's not a very good captain and this mm-hmm. and that and the other. And I'm like, you know, I really do think he's one of our most valuable players, period. Yeah. And I think he had a great game. I think he had a great week as we'll see moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And he's amazing, right? I mean, he just... <laughs> <laughs> to sum it all up, he's amazing. Uh, I... We were hard on him two weeks ago, and it's like he hurt us, honestly. He probably listens. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. We hate because we love. Uh, it was only the third time in 26 chances this season where the Blues won a game. They entered the third trailing. Uh, we know how important this game was, and even the little things like getting it in overtime where it counts as a regulation when we can sit back and say it's a good night. Now we get the chance to go into Chicago against a team we know will be ready for us and look forward to that challenge. So, what would happen when the Blues took on the Chicago Blackhawks, who are pathetic this year, but are their biggest rival and may want to keep them out of the playoffs? Well, chaos ensued, basically. Uh, It's a big game. And talking... Speaking of less cool cats, Alex (laughs) Dabrink. That was a long... Uh, a long, long transition. Very uh, good. Uh, he had a hat trick in this game of n- not particularly impressive goals, but it's his third hat trick in his rookie seasons, and more credit, more power to him. Um, can you imagine if they were good and that guy was doing that? Uh, you would just that would be bullet to the brain. Territory. I already feel kind of gross that they got him, but and then the second round too. So more or less every team passed on him. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Awesome. Uh, He handled it near the circle and passed it back to Duncan Keith. Duncan. Uh, (laughs) Keith cycled towards Schmaltz's side, and Schmaltz cycled to where Keith was. That's Nick Schmaltz, not Jordan Schmaltz, just to be clear. Uh, Which is his evil brother. (laughs) To give Debrinkat back the puck exactly where he was in the first place, and he rifled (laughs) a puck. To Allen's blocker side, which I can't remember at the moment because I didn't specifically comment if I meant that to say which Allen should have had or whether Allen was out couldn't have gotten a blocker on it. But in either, either case, he did not, and it was one nothing. Uh, shortly thereafter, it was two nothing when Alex DeBrinkat, of all people, uh, scored another goal with assists from Jerko and uh, Osterle, Jordan Osterle. Um, 
this was a very strange kind of goal uh, where, and kind of embarrassing for us, where Jaberko and Debrinkat skated in together. Jerko tried to pass across to Debrinkat, but Petro went down and blocked the puck, but it deflected off of Petro and somehow went right to Jerko, who got it across Petrangelo back to Debrinkat, but Debrinkat missed a wide open net at that point and hit it behind. But Jerko, for a third time, somehow got around to the puck behind the net and knocked it in front back to Debrinkat. And finally, this time, after several Troy Browarian swings of the puck, uh, was able to knock it in uh, past Allen. So after a period where we controlled, according to natural stat trick, 55% of the flow of play, uh, the Blues go into intermission one no- or down to the Blackhawks 2 to nothing, and you think uh, it's over. Great. Yeah, and you think, you know, same story as always, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was not, because Alexander Steen came out in uh, the second period with two minutes elapsed and scored a power play goal. Um this was really kind of a, not not to us necessarily, but sort of a coming out party for Vince Dunn, who assisted on every goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he Or scored. Did he score one of them? He I has think four he scores points. the next one, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he, he has the makings of a power play quarterback to me. Uh, he triangled with Shannon Petrangelo, and it came back to him, and he took a big slapper from the point, and Steen deflected it in. I mean, there was nothing magical about it, but you just kind of watch his poise at his age with the puck mm-hmm. in a power play, on a power play in the United Center, down two to nothing. You know, it just he looks like a, a really great prospect. Uh, and then, yeah, as you correctly say, said, uh, because I couldn't apparently read one line down in my notes, <laughs> Vince Dunn scored uh, the second goal of the game with uh, about three minutes later uh, with Petrangelo and Shin assisting. Shin sort of fought along the boards to do a long drop pass to Petrangelo uh, along the point. And Petrangelo slapped past it to Dunn and Dunn one-timed it into the net. It was a really nice goal. It was. Um and that was when <laughs> uh, all hell broke loose. That was when the train went off the tracks. I I almost forgot. I really did mm-hmm. because strap in. I just we were so angry. Like I we can't recapture the genuine fury that we mm. were feeling at the time. You can go back to our Twitter and find it. I guarantee you. <laughs> but so first thing that happens is that the Blues scored a goal. That was clearly a goal, that was called a goal on the ice, but was disallowed. I forgot to write down, I hope maybe you did, who would have theoretically scored that goal. I know Shin would have scored the knock-in after Mm -hmm. the whistle-boo, but let's get there when it comes up. So, the play is whistled dead, but it's called a goal on the ice. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, after, you know, as the play is being whistled dead, the puck goes out to Shin, and he knocks it into a basically empty net and scores an unquestionable goal, except the play is whistled dead. And Pierre Maguire's read on that is that the referee shouldn't have called the first goal that was a goal a goal because then Shin scored the second goal, which doesn't make any sense because Pierre Maguire's full of crap. <laughs> we don't like Pierre's. Mike Yo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was a real bad day for Piers. Uh, <laughs> two Piers podcast is what we call this outfit. Uh, from the view I had, Mike Yo said, it was a little bit hard to tell. I think that the TV view, the NBC view, name check the sponsors. Thank you very much. Your check will be in the mail, Mike Yo. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit more clear as far as what the NHL was looking at. It's hard to argue that. If it's inconclusive, I know what I work. I, I know what I would want called in that situation. I think we know that this puck was in the net. If you're not going to get the call, you can't sit around and dwell on that, which they didn't, to their credit. Mm-hmm. This was the sort of thing that you would think would just destroy the team. Um, referee Ian Walsh, though, did blow the whistle, and he called it a goal on the ice. And then even though there was pretty clear video evidence that the puck crossed the line, pretty much... Everyone said so at some point, even though all the NBC guys later said that it was the right call. They made the, you know, of course, yes. because it was the Blackhawks call, right? Um, it was across the line of co- accordingly, a- according to the review, because this is how the review should work. Not only was the opposite evidence, you know, not, not only was the evidence opposite of what it seemed to indicate. But it was so much opposite that it was conclusive enough to overturn the goal that had been called on the ice, mm-hmm. which is not, I mean, that's not fathomable. That is not conceivable. That's, that's what I understand is they called it a goal. It's, I can see maybe a pixel or two of their just grainy old video of it maybe touching the red line. Right. And that's conclusive. That was like, okay, we got it. Not a goal. Like, no way. No yeah. effing way. Right. It was so stupid. I all understand the argument possibly that they're like, oh, well, the second goal wouldn't have counted because they blew the whistle and people are acting all weird because they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But you blew the whistle because a goal was scored in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen, I've seen goals that are uh, more clearly like not a goal be debated for longer. Oh, yeah. This was not a long review particularly. Uh Especially for overturning a call. I mean, that's what's mind-blowing. And to me, this is another, like, God, I mean, this is way down the list of rule changes. And God forbid, God forbid (laughs) we put a little electronic chip in the puck and in the net to see what actually is or isn't a goal line because that would be too much advancement. Mm -hmm. But I don't get the it has to totally cross the goal line argument. To me... Because of the dimensions of the goal line and the dimensions of the puck. That goal line's so thick. It's not, yeah, that's the thing. It's not like... I look at football as, a, as an example where like if any ounce of the, of the ball crosses any ounce of the imaginary pylon, it's a touchdown. That won't work for hockey either. But the idea that it can be all the way on the inside side of the red line Mm. let's even argue the idea that maybe a whatever smaller than a millimeter of the puck is still touching the red line the idea that that wasn't a goal because it wasn't completely across is kind of silly to me but there's technology they could probably install Mm -hmm. that would counteract that regardless um but yeah i just what are you going to do? I guess. Well, it was more. It would be yeah. one sin. It would be enough if it was only that sin. Exactly. Right. But, but a few minutes later, 
the right before the end of the second period, the Blackhawks were awarded a goal by David Kampf. I guess. Mine Mine <laughs> Exactly. Great. <laughs> uh, we need more of those in the NHL. <laughs> Assisted by Vinny Hinnestroza and Duncan Keith. Hinnestroza, to his credit, and much to the knob slobbing of Pierre Sounds Maguire, like a soup. Uh, <laughs> it does. It does that. But he <laughs> did win a really tough race into the corner. He had good speed, and he knocked the puck in front. Uh, but this goal was scored without question not by Kampf kicking the puck into the net, because that would have been too direct, but by Kampf kicking Jake Allen's skate, which in turn moved backwards, which in turn knocked the puck into the net. And the goal very clearly was waved off by the referee on the ice. And not only did they didn't call it a goal, but there was no review and there was no explanation <laughs> of why the referee, who clearly waved it off on the ice, mm-hmm. wasn't listened to or Yeah, they just ran right over that one. It apparently was neither a kick-in, which is unchallengeable, uh, and the Situation Room never addressed it, nor was it goaltender interference, I guess because it was both. <laughs> Maybe one's a negative and one's a positive, so they canceled out. That's a goal. Uh, Jake Allen didn't really complain because he never does. He says, I was disappointed with the goal at the end of the second. I That can't go in at this time of year. It doesn't matter how it went in. It does, though. It do- I mean, it does. Yeah. If it goes in illegally, it kind of matters. <laughs> Uh, we could have just easily folded it up, honestly. I have a lot of teams, I think a lot of teams probably just would have. It takes a lot out of you, but we know we're fighting for our lives right now. It was a resilient comeback by everyone, spoiler alert. Uh, it was a crazy <laughs> game, a lot of weird bounces, a lot of crazy bounces, fun back and forth. Entertaining game, it's fun to be a part of, and I'm good, obviously, to be on our side. And it's just at some point where it's like, la la la, let's sing the siren song of the National Hockey League because we're not allowed to question any of this nonsense <laughs> that they keep forcing down our throats and I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> you broke our equipment. Uh, 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 I hope I didn't puncture anyone's eardrums. Uh, the referee, Graham Skeletor, did wave it off on the ice, but who cares? Is his right? name Graham Skeletor? <laughs> <laughs> Graham Skeletor assisting mine on the ice. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we go into the third third period, what, 3-2 at this point? I've lost all track oh, of what it's the three, actual score is. It's 3-2, and it definitely does not. It's one goal, it but it does not feel like a win. Chas- chasmus. Yeah. I, that's not a word, but I'm going to go with it. Y'all get it. And, you know, our hero, our, our old chum, the expected hero of the modern age, Vladimir Savoka, came to the rescue after 15 minutes of very average hockey. Um where the Blues controlled apparently 61% of the momentum, which is maybe right, but it was never like, oh, there's the opportunity that we missed. Saboka got a goal. Uh, Dunn rifled a puck towards the net after a really great Gunnarsson keep-in. Not something you get to say a lot. Uh, And this was all about Kyle Brodziak making a kind of unreal play behind the net where not only does he collect the puck, but he saucer passes it over... 
uh, Barube, who was the goaltender's back, as he was kind of like bent down, and it got to Saboka, and Saboka knocked it in. Uh, he browered it a little bit, but we'll we'll give it to him. Uh, the problem is, even I felt like there's you're just gonna hear. Uh, What's it called? One more time, Chelsea, oh, Chelsea Dagger. Dagger. One more time. Yeah. It just felt right, right? Like the story wasn't done being written. Um, I did read the uh, their one of their reporters at the Athletics explanation of that goal and talking about how Eric Gustafson, who is apparently not popular in Chicago right now, was navel gazing and not defending Vlad, but uh, Saboka, to his credit, took advantage. So. Uh, Alex DeBrincat also took advantage of uh, life being miserable for <laughs> Blues fans, I guess. Uh, Seabrook took a shot. It bounced off Jerko's, <laughs> Jerko's ass. Uh, it was a well-earned assist. And Anisimov collected it and hit DeBrincat for a one-timer. Uh, Allen was too low to make the save on this on his blocker side again. He has to do better mm-hmm. than that, especially in this situation. Um and you really, I mean, I just felt like, okay, that, yeah. Yeah, that was less than 90 seconds right. after the Saboka like, goal. Good, good. Dagger us. Maybe DeBrincat can get his fourth on the MD. I went pool. to go pack my lunch. Right? I had the game on, but was not watching right, anymore. Right. And then you heard, or maybe didn't, Alex Petrangelo, <laughs> the god king of the St. Louis Blues, scores 15th of the season with Vladimir Schwartz, apparently <laughs> Jaden Schwartz, and Vince Vladimir Dunn scoring on unbelievably the six on five. Uh, which I guess is Petrangelo's now fourteenth even strength goal. I think six on five. They don't count it. They won't count it for even strength then. I think. I think they do. They, do yeah, they I really? Because I heard somebody clarify the other day. Or third. I think it is his thirteenth. Let me see. Because I made a note of it. Um, Should be. Because he just had twelve. Yeah. Uh, he, so he passed. Was it Brown on yeah, the list? The uh, last time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty impressive. And I did see. JR clarify that it is considered even strength if it's weird. six on five because you're not like they're not down a player I guess which is weird. Oh, that right? you're but, no, you're right because yeah, you pull the goalie, you still have just as many players right, on the ice. Right, yeah, that's um, fair. Weird but fair. <laughs> Any case, Petrangelo cycled to Dunn. Dunn took a shot that gets to Schwartz, and Schwartz cycled along the board back towards Petrangelo. Petro kept in the puck and then hit a one timer like you read about and rifled it in off the near post past Barube. Uh, <laughs> and then I wrote some notes in the uh, show notes that I will not repeat on the airwaves, uh, but it did include suck at Blackhawks. So uh, we're going to overtime and who knows what's going to happen at this point, but one incredible, <laughs> unbelievable Twitter user who we follow, but is I don't remember, it wasn't one of our close beloved mm. fans beloved beloved fans but very sincere uh, <laughs> did it so sound like sincere. i love it <laughs> no sincerely we do but somebody did the butchagrov overtime challenge where you like or butchagross where you like guess who's gonna score the overtime winner, and some crazy maniacal fella guessed patrick bergwin and i even read it and was like what <laughs> what? Why will he even be on the ice in overtime? But wouldn't you know, he scored the game-winning goal in overtime <laughs> uh, with assists from Steen and, of course, Petrangelo. Uh, Steen passed the puck towards Bergwin. They both collapsed towards the net. Uh, Bergwin took a big, heavy shot, uh, and it caught 
very much all of the goaltender Berube, <laughs> but still got into the net. So when you think Allen's bad, you could be having John Claudio Berube, JF, is that what it was? Yeah. I forget the initials. Uh, no relation to Craig Berube that I could tell, by the way. I did look. Uh, <laughs> you can have him get five hold where there is no hole and get destroyed. Uh, got the puck from Steiner, and I just teed it up and shot it. The guy, Taves, gave me some space, and I figured I'd just tee it up and shoot it. <laughs> Luckily, it went in after I teed it up and sh- shot it. No, that one, that last one was me. Uh, but the <laughs> other two were Patrick Bergwind, who said that quote. Uh, the Blues win an incredible game against their conference rival, and maybe you're feeling like there's finally some momentum ticking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 41 shots to the Blues, uh, to the Blackhawks' 30. Blackhawks slightly won the faceoffs, but the Blues were incredibly two for three on the power play and got 43 hits to the Blackhawks' 24 in the United Center, where they're not generous to us. Um, blocks 20 to 16. Blues. Blackhawks have more giveaways. We mentioned the Corsi percentage. Uh, the Blackhawks are now 23-14-6 when they score first. They have a 535 winning percentage when they score first, which is fourth worst in the NHL. Um, this was a, a win without Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, Mike Yo said, I talked to him this morning, and he was feeling, well, you know he's healthy, so I don't need to go through all that. <laughs> Petrangelo and Dunn each had four points. Dunn is the first Blues rookie defenseman to score four points in a game since Rick Wilson did in 1982. It was also the first four-point game of Petrangelo's career and the first back-to-back three-point game for any Blues defenseman since Rob Ramage in 1988. And when I think of all-time unparalleled (laughs) Blues defensemen, my name races, races to Rick Wilson and Rob Ramage. I'm not going to rant about Jonathan Taves. We'll do it in the offseason. I wanted to just because why is he 100 greatest players in the history oh, of the NHL? never. It's, it's phenomenally stupid. He's not, or he is on that list, and Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin, Malkin is, is not. not. And that's the end of the argument. So I really stupid. won't go into it just to save time, but we'll do it. If you want to hear it, you can tweet us, and I'll cover it. In the next couple of weeks. But anyway, officiating was terrible. But hey, the Blues are 24-4-2 on the second nights of back-to-back sets in the last well, however many 30 games that is. I can do math. So the Blues have won in New York or against New York. They've won in Chicago. And now they are headed to Boston where you and I, I think, both uh, admitted that we thought they would get absolutely mm-hmm. floored. Uh, and why don't you tell us what happened? Because I was in a cabin in the woods outside of Kirksville, Missouri, not in a place mm. where I could watch this game. Explain but more. Also in a place where I could be axe murdered and no one would find me for two weeks. Uh, I yeah, I went up to my alma mater, Truman State, this week to hang with some friends and do some alma mater type stuff, and it was a really good couple of days, but I was unable to watch this game, so my, my comments will be limited at best. <laughs> well, first of all, they flew to Boston, but then they both got on the plane and flew back to St. Louis, where they played the game in St. Louis. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, Did I say they were in Boston? Yes. The, okay. But then it was too so late. So I was really in Kirksville. <laughs> <laughs> you was deep in that cabin. Uh, Blues versus the Boston Bruins. I felt going into this game that this was going to be our loss, our loss for the week. And it felt right. We had two good wins. 
I wouldn't have been overly upset. It just feels like this was going to be a loss to yeah. me. Uh, and Ryan Donato, with the second goal of his young infant season, mm-hmm. made me feel even worse about it. Unassisted in the first period at 10-12. Uh, fresh from Harvard, this kid is. Fresh from the yeah. Winter Olympics. And the Winter Olympics. He's a patriot. He's a Harvard, soon-to-be Harvard grad. Wicked smart. All the other Boston things. Parking his car in the yeah. yard at Harvard. How you like them apples? He scores goals and asks how he likes them apples and solves incredible equation equations. He's clapping bombs and doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Ryan Donato. Yeah. This was an interesting goal. Alex Petrangelo uh, tried to clear the puck, but his attempt banks off a referee who I was trying to get the name of to just skewer. <laughs> But I did not. I thought I'd be nicer. And Ryan Donato drills it home for a power play goal in the first period. Fluky little goal. The Blues looked like they played pretty good in the first period. It was their weakest period, but it still didn't look that bad. But a fluky goal like that kind of makes you feel like it's going to take the wind out of your sails. Uh, Heading into the second period, the Blues started to kind of take over the play. Had a lot of time in the Bruins zone. Really started to clog up the neutral zone. I don't think the Bruins had the best defense going either. We seemed to just fly through the neutral zone all of the second period and really for the rest of the game. Uh, in this period, though, Shen does slam into Krejci in the corner with about six, minute le- six minutes left in the second period and uh, catches Krejci's head a little bit. Brad Watson. Brad Watson. That's the referee. We question. hate Brad Watson. <laughs> Pierre Lebrun, Pierre Maguire. And Brad Watson. Watson. These three we hate. <laughs> this and is the- no... Others. <laughs> this is an antichrist trifecta. <laughs> Turn the crosses upside down. Uh, Shen hit Krejci. It did not look like a dirty hit to me. It was an unfortunate hit. You're kind of thin on your side when you're facing someone with your shoulder. And uh, Krejci kind of turned at the last second and Shen sort of clipped him in the head. It was not a headhunting thing. I am a little surprised that he didn't get any sort of disciplinary action. I mm-hmm. thought maybe for sure they'd give him a game. I don't mm-hmm. know, just because they try and crack down on head head hits like that. It's kind of weird because I wouldn't have been upset because it's like, well, at some point you draw a line. You you know you can't make that sort of contact with someone's head, even if it wasn't intentional necessarily because it was kind of dangerous play. But at the same time, like, cool, because I don't want Braden Shen suspended for any time. It's a very weird pickle yeah. to be in. <laughs> this nope. should be punished, but let's have it not be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no goals in the second period, but I did think the Blues got the better of the play. They seemed to slowly be heating up throughout the whole period. But the Blues did get a goal by Jaden Schwartz in the third period as 21st of the season at 9.36 of the third period, assisted by Steen and Shen. A uh, great pass from Shen to, uh, I guess, actually, yeah, to Steen on the left and then from Steen to Schwartz in the middle for a nice wrister. Also at the end of this period, it was tied 1-1. Barbashev almost got the game-winning goal, but Anton Hudobin just flailed himself Anton over. Anton Kudova. Kudova. <laughs> yeah, forever, it doesn't matter because he's not a prevalent player. You want to tell that story player. real quick? Because I oh, think it's hilarious. Sure, yeah. I was sitting in my parents' house watching this game, and Anton Hudobin's name got called. On the, on the broadcast, my dad was walking through, and he said, what's that guy's name? And I said, Anton Hudobin. And without a moment of thinking, he said, should be Anton Kudoba, and just walked out. <laughs> 
and it left me on the floor just laughing. A real, a real raffle. Um, and so forever, this second string, second uh, backup goalie mm-hmm. that will never be anything more, and as old as all hell, I think, will always be Anton Kudob. Because <laughs> I refuse to say Hudobin. It's Kudobin. Anyway, that yeah. hasn't been it the whole time, has it? Like, this guy's been around for a while. He's 31. Yeah. This hasn't been the whole thing, has it? I feel like there's been enough different announcers, kind of like uh, Peter Angelo or Peter Petrangelo or David Perron yeah. and yeah, stuff. Exactly. So you get that kind of crap. Uh, all tied up in the you know, third period. We're going to overtime. Hey, what a theme. Is our favorite theme. Overtime. <laughs> <laughs> a nice thing about all these overtimes, too, or getting there is that the Blues have tied it up in the third. So it's never been the other team coming back. Not that we're I don't necessarily like that the blues have been down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's been it's a nice a it's been a nice gumption. Some some gumption, a little, you know, sandpaper to get back in there. The blues get a goal scored in overtime by Jaden Schwartz's twenty second with only thirty seconds into the period, assisted by Pareko and Shen. Uh Schwizzle Schwartz. With the afterburners, he pretty much took it almost coast to coast (laughs) and fired it past Kudoba. Um, (laughs) Bruins defenseman Matt Grizzlick, I think it is, which looks like Gretzky, but all wrong, uh, more or less backed up into East St. Louis the entire way. I think he was afraid of how fast Schwartz was, and he's like, oh, I can be faster when I backskate. (laughs) And that gave Schwartz just enough room to fire one in. It was a really impressive goal. Uh, Schwartz really looked like a man possessed this game with the Blues winning 2-1 to in overtime. Uh, stats, Blues got out shot by the Bruins 22-20. to That's a very low number of shots for both teams, 42 shots throughout the whole game. I thought there was a lot of action going on, but I guess there's a fair number of blocks, actually. Blocks, Blues 13 to the Bruins 20. So, yeah, that's a fair number. And, of course like any Blues game, a fair number of misses as well. Of course, naturally. Because you're just trying to pick that corner. Blues uh, face-off percentage 58 to the Bruins 42. Blues were 0 for 2 on the power play. Bruins were 1 for 2. And Blues, again, out-hitting another team. Granted, this is at home. uh, 46 hits to the Bruins 24. It was a good game. I enjoyed watching it a lot. I thought Schwartz played really well. I thought Thompson, for the first time in a while, looked like super noticeable i mm-hmm. think he looks noticeable most games but that's because i'm looking for him yeah. <laughs> i think because i just want to see something but uh-huh. i think this game he actually commanded some attention he had three hits through the game he looked a lot more physical yaskin looked amazing actually he had seven hits throughout all of uh, last night and he looked super duper fast throughout uh-huh. the whole game team this team plays well when they're down players i don't know it seems like they played really well at the beginning of the season without steen and bowmeister yeah uh with fabry out and sanford out now tarasenko's gone and i think there's a mental thing not that tarasenko holds this team back but when tarasenko's out they go oh but tarasenko <laughs> that's this team that's back. like our skill and now we can't be we can't do skill no more <laughs> So, guess we'll have to work. Yeah, we all got to work bark, now, bark, I guess. Bark, 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 bark. Have you ever been in a group I'm a where very there's... a very good Rihanna impressionist, <laughs> if you can't tell. I, even I had a hard time figuring out who <laughs> that was. Um, have you ever been in like a group project and like the person that does all the work just leaves? Yeah. Because they're sick now with the flu? Mm-hmm. Or, they're, <laughs> or they moved? Uh, and then you all look at each other and go, I guess we'll have to do this. Yeah. Then. We'll each have to do our own part. Um, but who wants to? Yeah. 
I don't know why I used that example. I was the one doing all the work <laughs> in school. Um, and you still are on this podcast. Cast. Oh, you're so kind. Um, something to think about. That's sort of like a wrap is this up. A, is this the question yeah. I've been waiting for? All right. It's really, we've almost already talked about it, so do not get overly excited, anyone. With these three games, three great wins, three comeback victories, mm-hmm. OT wins, teams that it didn't matter that we gave them the extra point to because two are in the East and Chicago blows, mm-hmm. which is great to say. <laughs> um, and do they... hired a guy named Mike. <laughs> <laughs> They've just phoned it in. <laughs> um, what do these games mean to the Blues as far as like a barometer on how they're on playing. this year or next year? No, on, on this year, on this current year. So it means a lot because they need points to make the playoffs, but they also played two, teams. two teams that stink in the Rangers down. and Hawks. Yeah. A Bruins team that didn't ice. Heavily, heavily yeah. injured. Well, they took, they had eight didn't, regulars out. Right. Bacchus didn't play, Char didn't play. There's a boat. Bergeron's he, hurt now. Bergeron's still suspended or something. He, he was like him and Pasternak were the only two oh, guys Marshall in there, there okay. that I can like remember. Krejci, there, but, yeah. yeah. But that's eight players out, and all three of these teams played either because they McAvoy I think is out. Yeah, yeah. All three of these teams played either because they had to or just because whatever their backup goal is against us. Uh-huh. I'll take wins, and I think it really builds up the confidence in this team moving forward. But I just don't know if. All of a sudden we play. I don't know if we play anyone hard. Uh, Vancouver's tomorrow and then Columbus on Saturday. And Columbus has been on a bit of a tear. I just think pump the brakes when we play. I'll say Columbus. Or even I think the Sharks next mm-hmm. Wednesday or something. Yeah. Because I think when we get a little harder competition, I think we're playing better. But mm-hmm. I think we haven't been sla- slapped around yet by a, a superior <laughs> team in a while. Had our butts kicked. Yeah, I'm trying to find the end of the, the score of the... Um, oh, yeah, I looked at it earlier. <laughs> yeah. The Kings are currently beating the Colorado Avalanche 7-1. to one. <laughs> Good God, when I looked at it, it was 5-1. What to happened, one. Nathan? That guy's not yeah, the heart trophy. Taylor Hall. It's Taylor Hall uh, all the way. To think Mika Rantanen scored the only goal. Andrew Kopitar is making his case with four goals Holy in this cow. game. And let's see, no assists, loser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but wow. in any case, uh, so that puts the Kings. Uh, to me, that was a the more odious solution. I would rather the Avalanche have just won. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, the most odious was an overtime win for either team. But uh, so so we're the point is we'll be three points back at the end of tonight with a game in hand on the Avs and two on the Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a scene that Blackhawks games are not going to be easy, right? Because mm-hmm. we have to beat them and the officials. Um, Great. Zing! <laughs> <laughs> Canucks, like, if, you know, same theme, different team, we should win, mm-hmm. especially the way we've been playing. We should beat Columbus because they'll be the second half of a back-to-back. Right, true. So. But then Sharks, Knights, Shark. not pretty. Those. Coyotes, we should win. Capitals, two Blackhawks, and at Colorado, which is Ooh. interesting because that very final game of the season could be a play-in game. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or a standing game, one way or the other. Uh, 
I don't I don't give us very high odds of mm-hmm. making the playoffs even still. I think a lot of stuff has to fall in our favor. Uh but uh um my point is I these games are good. I think they're good for us. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know how much it'll matter in the end of the day. I think it it matters more to me because it's like there was there was a point in the season where I was like, this team needs to explode mm-hmm. to ever be relevant again. You know, they were they were so bad mm-hmm. for so long, and finally to see at least you know, um, at least see you know Saboka contributing occasionally in Bergwin. I still don't particularly want this on want them on this team, but maybe that's enough momentum to get them to someplace else. Yeah, you know, and to see um, the way Petrangelo's bounced back and Schwartz is playing more towards his early season form and and this that and the other thing like that's all good. Jake Allen is like yeah, we alive forgot again, to mention he's know? playing a lot better. Um, that's all valuable intel so to speak, if even if we don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh this the site we've quoted pretty much every week lately has us at fifty one percent odds, which is a coin flip, right? That that's not pretty great, fair. That's that's pretty fair to me. My indication holistically over the course of the season is that the blues don't have the grit to get it done. But the last three games would indicate otherwise. So I guess this is a long way of saying I don't know what these games mean. <laughs> and I guess we'll have to come back and find out. But you won't be coming back. <laughs> Ever. Ever. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who aren't aware, Ian is going on his trip to Korea and Japan. Did I pronounce those correctly? <laughs> uh <laughs> for the next two weeks, he's leaving this weekend. So wish him safe travels. Uh, I have not nailed down the details yet because I'm very irresponsible and he does do all the work in this group group project. But we will find a way to bring you wonderful episodes each week, uh, even if it's me with two different sock puppets with different voices. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, hopefully, preferably, we'll have some guest hosts on <laughs> to do the show. Uh, but whatever the case may be, Ian will be back just in time for the NHL playoffs, whether they're the Blues <laughs> NHL playoffs. We will have to see. Uh, we have a Tweet of the Week this week, which is uh, image-based, which is novel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll describe it. <laughs> Sporps with a P, two Ps, Outsider. At Ovechkin on Twitter says, Hockey Twitter when Blackhawks are eliminated from playoff contention. And it's several photos of this commercial, uh, or I think just thing that the, mm. that the players did where they figure skated with Olympic figure skaters. And they just look like they're having merriment and enjoying each other. It's hilarious. Look it up on our Twitter, at uh, Two Guys No Cup. It's a lot of fun. Because, hey... Even if we go down this year, the Blackhawks and Rangers are also going down. So that's almost a win. I, mm. I don't know why I threw the Rangers right, I was like, just throw the Rangers like, under there. But, like, you know, it's same, all the good teams, all the, all the regular contenders are, like, out this year, which makes it exciting for us to ultimately see that the 2018 Stanley Cup champions will be 
the Pittsburgh Penguins once more. Oh, so, no. So with that horrifying thought, uh, I have no more to say about this topic. I could wax on about any number of topics, but I won't bore you. Uh, we will bid you adieu or something in Japanese. Sayonara.